Go on ahead and come up, Mark. Um, this morning, we had a little bit, little bit different of a Sunday morning um, message time, sermon time. Mark Yoder, for those many of us know Mark, some of us may not. Mark grew up here, was here for quite a number of years, uh, moved to Ohio for a number of years, moved back and has pastored at Hickory Ridge and more recently um, Greenwood Mennonite Church, just a few miles up the road in Greenwood. Mark has come to share with us this morning and share a little bit about what God's been doing in India and possibly Kenya, or is it just in India? Uh, mainly speak of India. Mainly speak. Okay. okay. Um, so we'll just have a short prayer and then turn the time over to Mark. Dear Father, thank you so much that you're alive, that you're working. Father, I just pray that you would give Mark the words and the message that you would have us hear about what you're doing today in India and around the world. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. So I consider it a real privilege to be with you today. I had, uh, I don't know quite how to explain some of the feelings I had this morning. Is it, I'm, I don't get here very often, so you guys have gotten used to people that aren't here. For me this morning as I was preparing, I'm thinking, well, Ann Dot should be there. But how long has she been gone? Uncle Eli, Aunt Ruth, my mom and dad. I was just different things coming to my mind when I was, I don't know how old, Polly Miller gave a testimony and our church would have been faced this way in that time. So, but things are a bit different, but I can remember sitting on this side often in that particular morning, she stood up and she had uh, read the scripture in Peter where it says, after you have suffered a little while. And she said that she had looked that up and it really did mean a little, little while. And she said, sometimes my suffering has felt like it's gone on a long time. But compared to eternity, it's a very short time. It's a testimony that I've never forgotten. And others too. Um, I have such good feelings towards Law's Church. Sometimes when I talk about a church and the responsibilities that a church has, uh, obviously God has given the job of the church to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, to bring us up and bring us into maturity. And I don't know that I realized how well that was being done in my youth. I can tell you many weeks here, my Aunt Ruth would come and put her arm around me and say, Marky, how are you doing? Are you having your devotions? Are you reading your Bible? Now, I didn't always like it, but I think it was good and healthy, you know? Uncle Eli was a very, very careful in his preparation. He would often have his sermons written out. Many times he would say, this bears repeating, and he would repeat it. I remember him doing a study from the book of Ephesians, and I'll never forget this, when he emphasized not only do we have an inheritance in Jesus, but God has an inheritance in us. I wonder if anybody else remembers that. Do you remember that, James? Made a profound impact on my life to realize that my responses to God made a difference. It was 
It's not very Calvinistic, I don't think, in your thinking, but. <laughs> so I would have been a young man when I was invited to do things like being a superintendent and standing before this congregation. I was asked, I think at 19, to be, what would be the title of someone of the summer Bible school superintendent, I think. Occasionally I have people that I run into that remember being here for Bible school in those days. So the Lost Church has a wonderful, Carpenter Bridge Community Church now has just a very special place in my heart. I could say much, much more, feeling very much indebted. This is sort of holy ground right here. So today is a little different. I was uh, invited to share a little bit about the ministry, and I have this thing about church that it's a place to teach the scriptures, certainly. That's part of what we do. There's other times when I think testimonies and encouragement is good. And so this is not really an exegesis of scripture this morning. By the way, we had that in Sunday school. Those of us that were in the men's class, that was very good this morning just to take the scriptures and what does it say? What does it mean? I feel like that's one of the most important things we can do as the people of God. I want to give you a little bit of background of why I'm involved in the way that I am in missions, I'm going to India regularly. Um, I've been going to Nepal, I've been going to Tanzania and Kenya as well. Um, I grew up with a bit of a sense of being called to missions. I don't know that I ever said that, I'm gonna be a missionary someday, but I know my dream was not to be a business person, it was not to be whatever, it was to be a kingdom builder. I remember thinking of that much more than how to make money. Not saying I wore a halo or anything, but I just, that's in my growing up years. Well, you know how life goes. Polly and I got married. Uh, I should take a while to sing my wife's praises because as I was preparing for this and I was thinking about this journey I've been on, she's an amazing part of it and I owe her so much because she didn't really have a dream to be a dairy farmer's wife, but she embraced it. But then I drug her to Ohio for five years. Well, before that, we were called to, this is part of my testimony, after you, know, you get married, you start having children, and suddenly the dream of being a missionary doesn't look like it's gonna happen. And then one day, uh, her uncle Willard, he was president of the Virginia mission board, I forget what the name of that was, asked us if we'd go to Trinidad with Israel and Jeremy and Quina. That's who we had at that time. And for me, it was like, I've always wanted to be a missionary. Well, yeah, I'd love to go. By then, we had bought the farm from mom and dad, and we had significant loan from, what's the F? Anyway, it was, what's FHA? It was a low interest loan and so on that we'd gotten. It was during time when interest was 14%, but they had given us this to buy my dad's farm. And uh, Gerald and Alma were willing to run the farm for three years while we went to Trinidad. But when we asked to do that, the bank, whoever that was, FHA, said, no, you can't do that. You have to pay it off. So we went to work and sold the farm to Gerald and Alma and come back to the mission board and said, we're ready to go to Trinidad. 
And they said, sorry, Mark, that door is no longer open. Somebody else went, and we really don't need you. And I don't know why it never hit me back then that they were probably saying, we no longer think you're qualified. I, don't, I mean, I think God was saving me from some bitterness at that point. It never entered my mind that that was the problem. <laughs> but I think that's probably the problem, that I wasn't educated. I was having children little, and, and I don't think they felt like I could probably do the job. So, but by now, we sold the farm, didn't know what to do, and we ended up being asked to go to Ohio, to Johnsville, to pastor that small church. We said we'd go three years. We ended up being there five years. Our family grew from three to six children. <laughs> and Dad called one day and said, would you come and help me in the nursing home? And I remember saying, well, Dad, I've got six children. And he didn't know this, but I was really struggling right then. What am I going to do? I can't really afford to buy a farm in Ohio. I don't have any skills. I'm not educated. I can't build a house. I can't lay blocks. I was troubled. How do you feed six children? And I remember when Dad called me, I said to him, um, Dad, I've got six children. Can we feed them <laughs> if I come work for you? And his words was, I'll, we'll try. <laughs> I tell people, we've been trying ever since. <laughs> so with that background, I... I I don't know how to say this, but I woke up one day to realize that my chances of ever being a missionary had long passed. I'm not, nobody's going to ask me, uneducated six children, to go anywhere. And I tried to embrace that, although with many dreams, still jerking my wife around to this thing and that thing. I got to skip the things here. Um, somebody took me to Jamaica. And I don't know why, but it touched my heart. I thought, I, I could do this, short-term missions. I could do this. And it kind of was put in my heart. I want to try to do short-term missions the rest of my life. My wife and I, and I don't know what year this would have been, went with her family to Israel. Dale Keffer, actually, we, we went with Dale. We were in, um, what's the airport up in New York? JFK. We were in JFK, and I noticed this group of people that looked like they were going on a mission trip, and I went over and talked to them. They said, we're on our way to the Ukraine, and they were telling me a little bit about what they were doing, and I said, I'm so jealous. I wish I was going on to the Ukraine instead of <laughs> on this uh, vacation trip. I was wrong. I, I can't, I have so many things I want to tell you, but God turned that that vacation into a mission trip with some exciting, exciting stories. But anyway, while there, I met a guy named Penn Clark. He was leading this group to the Ukraine. He told me some stories about going to India, and I said, I want to go to India. He said, well, I'll get up with you the next time. And so in November of 97, can you believe it's been that long? That's what, 27 years ago? Queen was 15. So she went with me, and we went to India. And I tell people my eschatology and a lot of other things changed when I went to India. Prior to that, I would have told you, man, hurry up, Jesus. Get, let's get this world finished. Whatever it is you're doing, let's get it done. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's enough suffering, enough abuse. 
But when I went to India, I had a change of heart. I can remember going to village after village after village. And as we drive, some of these were cities, big cities. And people looked unhappy. Unemployment rate was like 50%. Many people were drunk and had nothing to hope in and, you know, sitting around doing nothing. If we stopped, we'd have a whole crowd around us just looking in the window at these strange white people. One of, my, one of my memories is one of the guys with us somehow managed to sneak out and stand in the crowd and look like he was one of them looking at, looking. I'll never forget that. But anyway, I would say to our hosts, are there any Christians in this town? And they would talk a little bit. And they said, no, Mark, we don't think there's any Christians. No church. I don't know how to explain to you that going to India is tough. I could tell you a little story about my wife and our just recent trip there in November, but it's not easy. On this last trip, we left our house soon after church, went to Dallas, waited around, got on an airplane 15 hours to Doha, sat around five hours to Calcutta, three o'clock in the morning, get to a place, sleep a little bit. It's tough to get to India. And then this was my first time, and we, in those days, India is totally different, infrastructure, vehicles, stuff. But we went for probably a 12-hour drive, which is now probably a six-hour drive. We played chicken the whole way to where we were going. It, it was like just a little center place where the road was decent, and the bigger vehicle was allowed to stay there, and the other guy had to get off. But they had Americans in the car, so I think they thought the big guy should get off. And it was a frightening trip all the way to this <laughs> village of Mangapanga. And the whole way there, I saw misery and heartache and sadness. And when we arrived at Mangapanga, as the sun was setting, exhausted, there probably was 150 people that came and met us, singing Christian songs putting flowers around our neck and letting us know not only were they welcoming us, they were letting us see how Jesus had transformed their lives in their village and something happened in my heart. I don't know how to explain it all to you, but I knew I would be going back to India. And the mystery, it's still a mystery to me how God does those things. I'm trying to think how I want to do this. Um, just a quick little thing here. Um, there is a great mystery in how presence changes things. And I don't, I've often asked, how, Lord, how can I let people know that going is different than even sending money? Sometimes I say, I'm glad Jesus, God sent his son, not money to this earth. There's a little story I tell, and I, it's uh, after I had been gone about 10 years, I was at the original village of Mangapanga, and there was a young lady there by the name of Mami. I felt that the kids were calling her Mami. She was running the orphanage that was there. And for the whole time we were there, I didn't know she spoke English. But as we were leaving, Somehow we talked a little bit, and I realized this lady speaks English, and she, I was just telling her how much I appreciate how she has taken care of the children and so on. And she, I said to her, Mommy, how have you become the person that you are? So 
we're just so pleased with what you're doing here. And she said, do you remember the first time you came to India? And I said, of course, I don't know what you're talking about. She said, you and Quina and Tarun came to our house. There were six children of us and you were so excited because you had six children. Now remember, she couldn't speak English at that point. So she, everything she heard was through Tarun's interpreting my prayer. He may have taken liberty to say some things I didn't even say, I don't know, but he has a way himself of just, I don't know how to explain Tarun. But she said that day I prayed that the children would know Jesus and never be able to get away. And she said, later I became a Christian. I went to college and many times I thought about, do I really want to follow this faith? But she said, I could never forget your prayer, Mark. And when I tell that story, it's not to tell about me because I couldn't even, I wouldn't have even remembered that. I would never have possibly remembered that. But to me, it illustrates sometimes what can happen with presence. Now, I do believe we go always asking God to lead us. I could, oh, I got too many things here. So, hmm. I'm trying to think where I want to go next because my time is running out. So, um, can you've got those videos ready, right? Where do they, they're going to come down. Okay. So, let me start. Um, I sent you some pictures of House of Hope and Eden School, and I'm just going to have you take a few, show a few pictures there. The first time I went to the House of Hope, it was a little rundown one-room shack. Um, there were probably 50 children there then, and they, they had a little, not a kitchen, but a place where they could make a fire in the background and um, these kids had their little mats and a cardboard box for their personal belongings, and it was a, just a run-down shack. So flip through some pictures here, if you would. Just, just go on through. This might be the Eden School. Are you sure this isn't the Eden School instead of the House of Hope? Uh, this one said House of Hope. That's fine. Just flip on down a little bit. I... A little more. So you can see a little bit, but not the real. Go back to the Eden School once and see what you can find there. I don't know that it's going to do any justice to it, but when I first went there, it, like I said, it was a one-room shack. There was no boundary wall around it. There was no toilets or showers or dormitories or anything. But I saw something very special happening in the lives of these children. I could just tell. They were beaming. They were smiling. They were excited. They loved Tarun and Jackie. And it was just an amazing story. And something touched my heart. And now, many years later, if you go there to the House of Hope, there's a boundary wall. There are toilets and showers. There are guest houses and a, a school. There are now 250 children. I believe probably one of the best run orphanages in the whole world. There are 330 children in Eden School with about 25 staff, mostly teachers with bachelor's degree, teaching our children 
in English. And about 150 of those 330 are orphan children. The rest are local Hindu children. They come in and while they learn to read and write and study in English, they learn the stories of Jesus and the songs of Jesus. Um, we're running out of time here. Let's jump over to, um, to uh, the one that says, let's do, let's do the story of, uh, not the blind baby. Which one am I looking for? What was it? I want the one of the girl that had MS. There, I think that's it. Play, the, play that one. Let's, let's watch that. Moina Kuting is suffering from muscular dystrophy from the age of five. Her parents had no previous knowledge about the disease. I used to have fever in my childhood and my muscles used to tighten up and swell up. My parents took me to the doctors. They could not diagnose it properly and wrong medicines were prescribed. Those medicines did not improve my situation. When she used to go to school, she fell down and few of her teeth broke. Even she used to get hurt and blood coming out from her wound. It was a difficult time as she could not stand properly. Sometimes her father or some neighbors used to drop her in school. She knew that she won't get well anymore. There is no hope. Her parents did their best to spend lots of money on medicines along with performing various rituals. All they have tried after doing so much and with no answer from every sphere, they started losing hope and in such a situation were saddened too. But God has an amazing plan. She used to teach small kids at home. One day, one of her students picked New Testament from the roadside and gave her. One day, my tuition students pick up New Testament and give it to me. I could not express how I felt. I stated questioning my tuition students from where you got it. After reading the New Testament, I felt the joy. I felt too good after reading the New Testament. While reading, it seems that God is calling me to say that here for you. Why are you in fear? When doctor said nothing good is going to happen to me, but God gave me courage that he will start working in me. Even whatever hopeless things said unto me that nothing good can happen. I am going to die. I will take the all the negative effect of yours and I will start working the goodness in your life. It was indescribable. She could not express how glad she felt. Jesus is her hope, her savior. 
and her comforter. She shared about Christ in her family. Her parents started finding who could share more about Jesus and show them his path. When they came in contact with Pastor Rupchak, he invited them in their house fellowship, which they continued going to grow more in Christ. And the whole family received Christ as their Savior and the Lord. At present, there is house fellowship in our home where she shares about Christ to her neighbors and to the Cayman Educare kids whom she teaches and to their parents. She also witnesses them the love of Christ. Many came to know about Jesus through her. She encouraged her younger brother to get himself trained as a pioneer at KMM Siliguri Center. I am Her family members are supportive and help in her day-to-day -day work. Normally, there is no medical cure for this disease, but she believes God is going to change her situation. It's time for her to hope again, and in spite of so much physical hardship, she anchored her life in Christ. She is a strong witness in her circumstances, in her socio-cultural environments in Christ. How long I will live, I will continue to love my God, and I believe that I will get healed too. Yeah, my time is up here. So I just want to say again, this is a little taste of some of the stuff we get to be part of and enjoy. Um, this is another area from where I first went. It's in northern India. This lady, Polly, got to see her. Do you remember her? You don't remember her? She would have been there at Midnapur, and she would have been in the wheelchair there. Yeah, yeah. Rupchan the guy that they said they went to to find out more about Jesus. His story is just totally amazing story. Um, he was a town drunk. Many times would come home at night not even remembering where he had been left naked and bruised. His wife would take him in. He would beat his wife. It was just a terrible story. And when we were there, we were going by the place where this little story happened. He had decided life wasn't worth living. I don't expect you to remember the picture because they're hard to remember, but they showed a picture of him pretty close up. And he was telling us, and, and another pastor was with him, and he was saying, I had decided to take my life, but I, for some funny reason, wanted to get a haircut before he did. He was going to go to another area so nobody with no ID, so no, nobody could find him or return him to his home or anything. He went to get a haircut, and while he was waiting for his haircut, one of our pastors was telling the barber or somebody in there about Jesus and as he listened he said I need that story we actually were standing right at the place where that happened when they were repeating this story the last time we were there not with Polly but previously he asked this guy he said I need to hear your message he was wonderfully saved everything changed it's just an incredible story he now is full-time in ministry. He became the best potato farmer in the whole area. And if you see his wife, she radiates. Her name is Alpuna. Just precious stories. 
I don't know what all I should be saying as I wrap this up today, but one of the things that God put in my heart, and that is, no, I can't go, but I can give and I can encourage by going short term. And I will, say, I will tell you this right now, I don't, I'm prejudiced. I don't know a better place to lay up treasures in heaven than in some of these places. I was just telling Polly on the way up here, there's in another area where I haven't visited, but I've met with the guy many times. He just sent me a picture where two women, two young ladies, have been burdened for the tribal children. And they've started without support, without money, having these children gather and helping them with their classes, their school. A lot, a lot of times it's not a school they start, but what they call learning centers, where the children come in and somebody helps them with their schoolwork. And this, the, they're so amazed. The schools are like, what's happening to these children? And when I was there last year about this time, we went to a place in Siliguri, a learning center. And there were about 175 children there that come into that amazing place. They have a staff. I wish you could have been there. These Muslim, not half Muslim, about half Hindu, children performed for us that day. So many amazing songs and skits about Jesus, and just incredible. Taught, listen to me, by Muslim and Hindu teachers. Isn't that amazing? Now, I believe they're gonna come to know Jesus. I really do. But I, but I don't know what you as church have for mission programs. I'm very much at peace that God's in charge of this, but if you want more, information about maybe something specific you could do like the two ladies in that new area we are dreaming Rup chan in his area they have people that just are dreaming of starting an orphanage in a school and it's going to take us about two hundred and fifty thousand dollars i've promised them that i will do everything i can to help that happen they've probably got about a hundred thousand into the land that's there but i think it would change lives for children. Closest English school is about 40 kilometers from there, and it's very selective who gets to come. This would open doors for children that are in poverty and desperation. Thank you for letting me share. Sorry I went a little over time. Let's pray together. Father, you know the promise of Jesus, I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. We claim that. We claim that for our world. We claim that for our people in India, in these remote villages. Today, Lord, where children hear the stories and songs in the scriptures, I pray they will take those back to their families, their parents, and that you will cause your banquet table to be full because people are hearing about Jesus in truth open doors and give wisdom and favor and supply and grace. Today, Lord, may your blessing be here among these people we love and you love. I pray you'll add what is needed. May this be light, a place of uh, lifting Jesus high. He said, if I'm lifted up, I'll draw all men to me, and I pray again. Many will come to know you through the ministry of this place and these people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.